Hello and welcome to the Spectator's Americano podcast, a special series of discussions about the biggest political event of this year, the 2016 US presidential election. My name's Freddie Gray and I'm deputy editor of The Spectator. Today I'm going to be handing over to Damien Thompson, our religion editor, who's going to discuss Donald Trump and the Christian right. Today I'm asking, whatever happened to the American religious right and Christian America in the light of this extraordinary presidential election. My guest is Sora Bamari, editorial writer of the Wall Street Journal, who will be voting this year for the first time as a Christian because, Sora, you announced your conversion to Catholicism on the very day that the French priest Father Hamel was murdered by ISIS, which caused quite a stir. I'm very interested in your take on the American religious landscape as it's been illuminated by this um, remarkable and, I think, rather grotesque presidential campaign. You've got 60% of evangelicals supporting Trump, including Focus on the Family, supporting a thrice-married man who boasts of groping the genitals of women. But you have Catholics swinging the other way, as, uh, as they did not for Romney. And the big picture is that only 20% of Americans go to church regularly. 25% of them don't have any religious affiliation these days. So my feeling is that Trump couldn't have become the Republican candidate if Christians still had the influence in American politics that they think they do or they used to do. What do you think? Well, I think, I think you're right. I think that as you alluded to it, the American society as a whole is becoming re- less religious, uh, less church-going. And you've had the evangelical movement having peaked in 2004 when they came out to support George W. Bush's re-election. They've suffered a number of defeats on gay marriage, on um, religious liberty, and so forth, because the Obama administration has frankly been very effective. So now you get to the point where they've embraced this figure of Donald Trump, I think in an uncomfortable embrace. It's not They're not happy about it, but they think that at least the organized aspect of the um, evangelical movement thinks that with Trump they'll get a better outcome on the court on issues that they care about. So again, abortion, gay marriage, religious liberty, and so forth. But his rise, I mean, as you said, I think it does show that that kind of voter in a way has been sidelined, or it's the same voters as before, but the, the issues that they care about have switched. They care, they're more angry about free trade, they're, they're uh, more worried about terrorism. And so those themes that Trump strikes have had, has overrided their... Exactly. I think you put your finger on something very important, which is that conservative voters in America, it was assumed that they cared passionately about abortion and about gay marriage. And actually, opinion polls suggest that they don't care that much about it. They're still conservative, but they're conservative about, you know, immigration. They're conservative about protecting their jobs. They're conservative about, you know, the flag and America's identity. But in a sense, the Christian right almost persuaded us that the American public was more bothered about certain subjects than it ever really was, or certainly is now. Yes, they did. Do people still care about abortion? Yeah, I mean, I think the American Catholics, American evangelicals, the organized portion of these communities do care about these things. But I think that they've had this issue now where, by the way, it's not always the same voters that that embrace Trump. A lot of the those types of voters, the values voters, went for Cruz and some of the other characters. But now, to the extent that they care about abortion and gay marriage, they've made their peace with Trump. But I, I personally worry because as soon as you marry yourself to Trump's brand, 
I think that they lose the ability to ever say they stand for family values. I mean, how, it's just a contradiction in terms to say that you support Trump and you also support family values. Well, when you um, this is your own. This is not. This is your own position, sure. is it not? I mean, you, you've written about it. You're, you're a Republican supporter, but you're, you're voting for Hillary. Yeah. Now, yeah. why is that? As a as a as a new Christian, why are you voting for Hillary? It's very very difficult. It's painful, but. I see this as, first of all, it's a binary choice. There's no third choice. At the end of the day, these are the two major parties in the United States. And with Trump, he's a sort of pre-issues candidate. If I were just picking a menu of policy positions, maybe I agree with Trump on some things, although not necessarily. I'm more of a free trader than he is. I tend to support immigration reform, and I'm not a harsh restrictionist like he is. I believe in an expansive vision for the United States uh, on the world stage, all of that stuff. But still, I think on the whole, maybe I would pick him on the issues. The problem is that he's so unqualified, he's so manifestly unfit to fill the most responsible position in the whole world that I can't get to those subsequent questions. He doesn't pass the the threshold of, of a responsible U.S. president whom you can imagine being a president for the, the entire United now, States. Now, does your saying that cause you problems with some of your conservative Christian friends? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I have debates like everyone. I'm, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. You know, the, the, they point out that, look, whoever she appoints to the court will ride roughshod over all the things that I profess to care about. And I, I mean them when I say I care about those issues. The trouble is that I think our positions are so lost in some ways that, look, under Obama, we had a technically a conservative court, uh, right? We have, it was 5-4 conservative, and we still failed on, on any number of issues because the country is secularizing, and the court sort of reflects that. The second point I would say is that the only the president's sole responsibility isn't to, to nominate Supreme Court justices. It's also to be a credible commander-in-chief, to, to be a president for the entire country and not alienate vast blocks of voters and so forth. And so on all those other issues, he just, he fails. I'm interested in references to America secularizing along European lines. It was always assumed by sociologists of religion that they talked about American exceptionalism, that different rules applied, and that in fact the high numbers of Americans who went to church, and it was always accepted that 40% of Americans went to church every Sunday, proved that actually religion's a natural thing and it's Europe that's the exception. And now America particularly if when I visit American cities, seems to be secularizing along very, very traditional European lines. For example, the acceptance of gay marriage mm-hmm. in America seems to have been relatively smooth and not confined mm-hmm. to left-wingers and, and liberals, and it just reminds me of what's happened here. And I also see the churches slightly torn over that issue in the same way that they are here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, is America different anymore? Is it distinctively Christian in a way that Europe isn't? The moment I thought the gay marriage issue was lost was, I think it was 2011. It was before the actual case came before the court or before the court ruled. I saw a poll that said something like 40 50%, maybe even higher, of young evangelicals support gay marriage. That's an astonishing number. So there's been some transformation that's a qualitative transformation that I think suggests that we're going in that direction. So you've always had the mainline Protestant churches in the, in the U.S. that tend to be very, very elite, very liberal, basically the church of climate change and <laughs> and 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 action on yep. global warming or whatever but you're also seeing fundamentally secularist secularist ideas penetrating other areas that that I thought were a bulwark that wouldn't fall in that way 
The American sociologist James Davison Hunter has, I think, a very convincing theory, which is that both American conservative Christians and American liberal Christians have been kidding themselves for a very long time. Even during the Reagan years, American evangelicals thought they had more influence than they actually did. Reagan uh, smiled at them and laughed at their jokes and made the obligatory references to the apocalypse in the right company, but basically nothing much changed in the directions that they wanted. This carried on with the succession of presidents, and the American religious right didn't transform the American political landscape. But also on the left, you had all these protest marches for, you know, for human rights, for this or that campaign by American liberal Christians who imagined that they were the driving force, whereas in fact, you know, gay marriage and you know, legislation on climate change or whatever would have gone through anyway without them. So in a sense, both sides were kidding themselves that they wielded more political influence than they actually did. And now we see that Christianity is almost irrelevant to public policy in America. Do you think that's true? I wouldn't say it's irrelevant, but what I would say is in the process that you point out there is where I also see the opportunity and where I get optimistic. There's um, a really great evangelical leader in the U.S., um, Russell Moore, who heads the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist uh, Convention. And he points out, I mean, he's a, he's a Trump dissident. He's a parted ways with the rest of the organized evangelical movement in, in saying, I can't support Trump over precisely the issues that I mentioned. But what he says is, look, Christianity was always supposed to be countercultural, that perhaps it, there was a problem to the, the degree to which it was wedded to secular political forces in the U.S. over the past 40 years. And the fact that now that, that marriage seems to be broken shows that that, as you said, was a mirage and that Christian ideas weren't supposed to be so close to government. So perhaps the, the future lies in Christian communities becoming dissident communities in a way on, on the issues that they care about, either creating, I don't mean to sound too utopian, but creating alternative communities. Because Well, they, they certainly will be swimming against the tide because yeah. it, you know, it looks as if something like half of all millennials won't commit themselves to saying they, they believe in God, which is, mm-hmm. which is a huge change. Yeah. This may sound irrelevant, but you, you've just published a book uh, called The New Philistines, which is about the rise of gender politics, identity politics in the arts and, and how the arts seem to be dancing to that tune and that tune alone. And I was, maybe we'll talk about this some other time, but just briefly, I was kind of wondering if the, the religion of young American millennials isn't not Christianity anymore, but sort of agonizing over gender ideology that seems to matter so much more to them. Not just gender, but also I would say, I would say race. Race. And the, the idea that gender is fluid is, I think, a much more solid doctrine than, than anything. Uh, and this, in, judging by social media sites, this, you know, this engages them far more than the election. They're very worried about the prospect of Trump winning because he's you know, militantly uninterested in their positions and opposes their positions insofar as he cares about such things. But fundamentally, they're, they're really more interested in defining themselves and in, in a rather narcissistic way than, than they are in the, the political process. Yeah, and that's, I think that's very worrying for, for liberal order in the U.S. and I think in, in Europe as well. The sense that there's no higher universalistic ideal that, that young people would buy into, which is necessary for, for liberal order. I think if you have this balkanization where more and more people, especially the young, constantly think that 
claims about identity, I am trans, I am black, I am whatever, suffices to be a, as an argument. That claim in itself is self-evident and correct. And they're not going to be switched back to caring about mainstream politics or the legitimate political process by this clownish election you're having at the moment. No. And so you see the erosion of the political center. And I think I've tried to link the, the rise of Trump and also Sanders in the U.S. with what's happening in Europe with the right increasingly polarization, far left, far right, and the erosion of kind of liberal center is very dangerous. And even if Trump goes away, and if he loses, which I think I still think he'll lose, those energies that, that he's tapped into won't go away anytime soon. And, and I actually blame secularization in large part for that. Sorry, Murray, thank you very much. And don't forget... Holy Smoke is The Spectator's new religion podcast. You can find it on iTunes or wherever you go to get your podcast, but don't miss it. <laughs>